what we've got here is failure to communicate. Hey, I'm UFC President Dana White, and you're in the ring with Callum McGregor. The Lions are the number one rankings out there. Those guys are the ones who really do their homework, you know what I mean? But this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. We did not tap. Let's go! So Let's go! Okay, UFC, Paris in the books. Um, gone, Tuivasa, Tuivasa, Wooden Warrior. Um, gone actually steps outside his comfort zone and really digs in. Gets dropped on his own admission, gets knocked out, wakes up, finishes the fight. What a beautiful game plan. Makes sense. Teeth to the soft belly. No shot at the bigger man. Um, but if you have muscle there, it's more armor. It's going to hold out a little bit longer. Although at heavyweight, with Gon doing that to anybody's midsection, I imagine um, they're going to gas eventually as well too. Uh, Whitaker just came out and did similar to what Gon did. Both two guys that you see win decisions regularly. Just goes on dominates Vittori. Um, just makes him look like he wasn't even supposed to be in there with him. Um, very interesting there. Imavov beats Buckley. We had sort of thrown out there a sprinkle of Buckley possibly as a value, but really Imavov was a side that wasn't really a big play. Biggest play of the weekend was uh, Kopilov against D, uh, Kariko. That was fight doesn't go the distance. Um, that was plus 130 when we put it out initially. Right before fight time at plus 113. Hope most of you cash on that one. I uh, broke down on Jarno Aarons and uh, William Gomes. Made me read too much into guys at a lower level. You get surprised all the time. They grow. Um, you don't necessarily always see their full game and their full rounded set because they don't have enough um, fights on the big stage. So really should have stayed off that completely, but wasn't really a big play. Um, Jordan is a dog, sure, um, but not anymore. Poor fight IQ. Um, use your distance. Why are you fighting against Nathaniel Wood in a boxing match? Why are we fighting in a phone booth? You know, because you want to put in a show, poor fight IQ, win fight of the nights, but you have the talent to actually make it to the top five um, and do some damage, but you're just, I don't know, man. Um, I'm not a fighter, though, but that's a fade moving forward. Abbas Magomedov against Dustin Stoltfus. I was hesitant. I was hesitant. I was hearing things. I saw tape. I was hearing things. He came out and looked like a monster. Um, the destroyed Stoltfus and put the, the welterweight division on notice. Nazareth Hackpress. This was a play I was wrong on. Took a shot at McDessey and the dog. I just had no faith in Akras. He came out full of piss and vinegar with a good game plan. Just tried to volume up McDessey. Um, and yeah, McDessey's a little bit slower. I think this is pretty much near the end if he wants to continue fighting. I don't know if it makes sense. It's going to have to be a matchup that makes sense. Uh, for us, ZM comes out with, you know, I stayed off this one. Everybody was so heavy on Figlack. ZM comes out of nowhere with either a new wrestling heavy game plan or finally shows fight IQ. And steps up, steps in with some wrestling when he needs to, um, and you know takes the offensive wrestling and grappling um, angle before maybe it was put on him against Viglak. So uh, Benoit Saint Denis against Gabriel Miranda. This was probably one of the easiest spots of the night. Miranda's just submission or bust, and Saint Denis not the guy he's going to submit early. Saint Denis just styles on and beats the living crap out of him. Um, and gets him out of there. That was probably one of the easiest plays of the night. The angle that I had that I saw in, in tape was. You know, Canones does circle off to the power hand regularly, and he still did, but he managed his distance well um, against Taha. Taha couldn't corral him in, and when he couldn't corral him in, that was it. Um, the distance was just there, and Canones uh, actually catches him with a nice right hook and uh, strikes him. Some some nice ground and pound at the end there. So, Stephanie Edgar against Helen Perez. I mean, she's worried about people fading her and, and you know, people 
you know, against her, Perez, I mean, but it's just people are, I think we're taking her seriously because of the twerk, 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 and everybody's all over that in the videos. She is a talented fighter. Um, she'll likely, we'll likely see her get in the UFC, but Stephanie Egger showed up and showed out. Very naked choke early. Um, possibly one of the, another one of the easier plays of the night to see. I was just a little bit gun shy because of her last fight, but you know, I should have been on this one. Alan Perez is not the same level as uh, Bueno Silva. So that we move forward from UFC Paris out of the way. And now let's take a look at UFC 279. Um, we have Nate Diaz wanting out of the UFC to start up his own real MMA um, organization. That I would imagine he's going to have a boxing match. that's going to help feed into, you know, building up his organization and everything else. Um, so we got Nate Diaz against Kamzat Chimaev. So a lot of people shitting on the UFC for matching this up. You know, I've had this argument with a couple of people. They're saying, you know, we should give Diaz more respect. We should give Diaz more respect on the way out. Well, I mean, the thing is, he asked for the fight, sure. But on top of that, the guy makes so much money per fight. I don't know the numbers exactly. It's just, it's been reported multiple times. He was one of the biggest, um, you know, earners in the UFC. And that comes off of his, he picked up the smoke from, from McGregor, right? So he, he makes more money. And if you're going to put him up against anybody, you've got to get the money out of it. And, and as these guys get older, that's the problem. You both think that the UFC shitting on them, but they're making way more money. And you've got to get the value out of the pay-per-views. So here comes Kamzat. And I mean, Nate Diaz, Kamzat Shemaev. This one is definitely going to be interesting. Um, here, here's the thing. We all know that Kamzat is going to come out and likely maul Diaz early. Um, Diaz really, I don't think has a hope of a submission early, even though he technically comes out would be dry then. Um, and why I'm even referencing this right now is the line right now is currently sitting minus 1100 for Chemayev. Diaz sitting at plus one, uh, plus 700. Here, he's saying Diaz does have the strength of schedule, but Chemayev's just too much of a beast for him. Uh, based on style wise, his submissions aren't going to work early. And I'll get to my little angle that you may want to take a sprinkle on. Um, but Chemayev's going to either get him out of there early, TKO, um, catch him on the feet. I don't know where Nate's chin is right now. I know Nate's boxing is cleaner, but the power is definitely on Chemayev's side. We know this. Um, the only way Nate's going to win this fight is it's going to be late if he can hold on. And I don't even think it's going to be based on him catching him the same way he almost caught Leon Edwards and knocked him out. Nate's going to have to sub this man. And I think it's going to be a gas, gas Chemayev. And that's the only way. And I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not suggesting I'm on that side of things. I'm just saying there's no value in this one. If you're looking at any kind of value, there's, I mean, Diaz money line, yeah, it's sitting at plus 700 on the dog. But man, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near that. You got, you want to be a DJ to do it, go ahead. But if you're going to be a DJ to do it, I think his only angle is, so I bring it up, is if he gets it late in the fight. If he gets something late in the fight, he's not going to win a decision. He's not going to knock out Chimaev. You know, I, I see the only way this happens if Chemayev gasses out and we have, is Diaz going to choke him out? Oh my God, he's got his back. And Chemayev might be a little bit bloody and we see a gassy Diaz trying to go for it. That is absolutely the only way this happens. And it becomes this miracle story of a submission late, like say, uh, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen. But other than that, man, I stay off this fight. Just enjoy it. There's not even really a hedge really on this. There's no value anywhere on this fight unless you go with the angle that I, I threw out there. Um, maybe even Nate late in the fight, just picked around. No, no way of finish. But otherwise, just stay off it, enjoy the fight, because there's just no value. I gave the angle on Diaz, doesn't mean I'm, I'm singing Diaz. I'm just saying, no value. 
stay off it. Next fight on the card, we have Li Jinglang against Tony Ferguson. So this one's one where I think everybody's shitting on Tony Ferguson maybe a little bit too hard. There's some factors here I want you to take a look at before you just jump on the side of this one. Um, so we got Li Jinglang coming in at minus 300. We have Tony Ferguson coming in at plus 240. 19-7-0 um, on Li Jinglang's side. Ferguson 27, uh, 26-7-0. Obviously, we know that Ferguson has a strength of schedule. We know that... Uh, you know, Jing, uh, Li Jinglang is coming off of a, a nice KO win um, in his last fight. Before that, he's dominated by Chimaya, who's been taken to the ground and mauled. Um, but has the power, has the stand-up to actually take Ferguson out. But here's my thing. Ferguson gets KO'd. Let's, let's go back to his slide. Because when he beat Cerrone, and this is years ago, by Dr. Stoppage. Yeah, Cerrone, what, what, you can get into it, whatever you want with that fight. But he just, he was mucking him up. Mucking, murking the man's face, cutting him up. It was looking, it was looking rough. Um, beyond that, when Gaethje um, KO'd him in twenty twenty, uh, in twenty twenty, that's where we start to see the slide. Oliveira dominates and bloodies him up. We have Darius who mauls him and wrestles him. We have Chandler now. Now, so two decisions: one KO by Gaethje, um, and then we have Chandler who catches him. But in that first round, Tony looked solid, and Tony brings chaos, right? So if we look at um, Li Jinglang, he could get confused by the chaos of Tony Ferguson, the footwork of Tony Ferguson, the elbows, the sort of capoeira style of movement. But Tony Ferguson, I mean, he's got the strength to schedule. He's, he's been in there with wars. The only thing I would say about this is he is, the line I think is too wide at this point because people are shitting on him. I mean, the guy just got kicked. It wasn't even a snap front kick to the face. It was a pure on soccer kick to the face. He didn't see it coming, got caught and knocked clean out. Other than that, he's been out-decisioned and mauled on the ground, sure. He's been in big wars. Is the chin not there because it's maybe a quick turnaround? That's that's where this line is wide, because it's a quick turnaround, basically. Um, and we don't trust the chin of Tony Ferguson, and yeah, he's on a huge skid. But if you match these guys up skill for skill, Tony Ferguson's got him beat. Um, and man, I just think that he's being disrespected as far as the line being so wide. I could get it, I get it. Li Jinglang could come out and knock him out in the first round or just school on him for two rounds and put him out finally after he's bloody and beaten or beat him up for three rounds. I get it. But Tony has got the talent. Tony's there. Yeah, he's in Jackson's camp. People should in the camp or not. I don't think he's been there long enough for that to make a difference. But man, he looked good in that first round. And I don't know if he's as chinny as everybody thinks. I think it's a matter of circumstance versus a matter of him actually being that chinny. So at plus, what is he sitting at right now? At plus 240, I don't know, man. Why not? Why not take a shot on the dog at Tony Ferguson? Um, obviously, this is sort of the last swan song for taking any kind of dog shot on him. If he gets dusted here, I mean, he's likely even cut as well, too. Um, but if you look at him, I, what about this? And I know that I was just looking at Diaz for this. But Diaz, it's more of like a whimsical, crazy story that it happens. I don't see it happening at all, really. But with Ferguson, he's got some slick, slick subs. Li Jing Lang is susceptible to submissions. And what if Tony uses, a, you know, what if Greg Jackson's in the air enough to get Tony to say, look, just win this fight. You gotta win this fight. Take it to the ground. I get it, I'm running a narrative. It's worth a shot, because I think it's only gonna get wider. I don't see it changing. Obviously, we wanna see the scales, see how things look, see how Tony looks fight week. Fine, wait till all the way to the end on this one. But I think it's worth a shot, and or even, maybe even just having a hedge situation on this one and having this at the top of your parlays if you run any parlays this week.
Next fight on the card, we have Kevin Holland against Daniel Rodriguez. Kevin Holland, 23-7-0, very active fighter. Daniel Rodriguez, 16-2-0, has not fought in quite some time now. I think we're almost at two years. I don't know, he's almost at about one year at this point. His last fight against Kevin Lee, where he came in on short notice. Um, looked good to get Kevin Lee, schooled on him, but that doesn't really say much to me. I mean, Kevin Lee's stand-up is subpar. Is, and yes, once again, who am I? But as far as breaking down fights comparison to other fighters, his his fight his stand up is subpar. His wrestling is top notch. But I mean, man, Rodriguez beat him pretty handily. Um, yeah, it was a unanimous decision. Schooled him on the feet. Uh, kept it off the ground enough to be able to actually you know win on points. And he's got great boxing. He's got great boxing. He, he's willing to take a shot, sure. But he's also a guy that's going to go in there, set up his combinations, and uh, bait you into a counter. So I mean. I don't know. His pressure's there. For me, if I'm looking at, um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough one, man. Because Kevin Holland, if you want to actually shit on his fight IQ or shit on where he's lost before in the past, his momentum's there. Rodriguez is going to play right into his hands. Um, I don't know how Rodriguez is going to look after being away for this long. And I mean, I don't know. Like, his win over Mike Perry looks great, but that's quite some time ago now. It's 2021. Mike Perry's boxing's come a long way and that was pretty much a boxing match but if we're looking at it man i think we, we got to take holland based on momentum holland based on decision making he's shown very smart fight iq in his last two fights um and and i just see holland being the side here if we look at it holland um i mean he's got a solid jiu-jitsu he's, he's he's okay to go to the ground here if he needs to on top of that too though he's just got the range he's going to be able to use his use teeps use um leg kicks to keep rodriguez at bay and try to catch him with, with either his legs or catch him with the hands as well, too. Elbows, he's willing to go into the clinch with him. He might even take him down. You may see Holland take him down and submit him here. I know I'm throwing a bunch of submit submissions out from guys who typically strike but have strong submission games. But, I mean, there's some live submissions here. You guys maybe find your angle on what you think and where you see it. But that's a potential there, too. Um, so, I mean, Kevin Holland inside the distance is there. But, I mean, at the same time, it's hard to put Rodriguez away. He doesn't go away. So usually when I find myself in a situation where I'm riding on Kevin Hall and inside the distance, he's beating guys, momentum, he's a juggernaut, he's killing people. But then you run into a guy who's steady Eddie, solid boxing. Um, when it comes down to it, he's going to fight for your dollar. He's going to make it all the way to the third round, fourth round, or third round or and or decision. Um, man, I, I got to I gotta say I'm going to tail back from my inside the distance. I'm going to say Kevin Holland by decision. So we'll go Kevin Holland by decision. Um but, I mean, even Kevin Holland at Moneyline right now is minus 210. And I'm, I'm sort of okay even at looking at that and maybe parlaying that up. It could get a little sweaty, but I think Kevin Holland's going to take this one. Okay, next fight on the card we have Irene Aldana against Macy Chason. Irene Aldana 13-6-0 against Chason, who is 9-2-0. Aldana um, coming in at uh, minus 182 and plus 146. So there's been some love coming in on the Chason side of things. And I can see it. But after breaking down tape, after breaking everything down, I could really see that, uh, I don't know, man. I think the matchup-wise, they're very similar in styles, and, and I'll get into it. But I just think that Aldana has a class in this one. Um, so we know that this is likely going to play out in a kickboxing realm unless Chason gets smart and wants to try to take this to the mat. Um, but both ladies are very well-rounded when it comes to their MMA game. But what it comes down to, their strong suit is their kickboxing um, Aldana is a little bit more of a clean striker. She can actually push a pace and, and actually be on the front foot and, and get in there 
and banging with women, but at the same time, she plays it very well um, if she's being pressured and off the back foot. Um, we saw this actually, it was years ago in the Putalova fight. We've seen her do this against Carrera. At the same time, too, um, if we look at Chason's style as well, too, they both matador. So Aldana and, and Chason, both matador girls. So what I mean by that is a lot of women's MMA based on the kickboxing style, a lot of women will march forward with multiple shots. Um, and you'll see a lot more kickboxing style. So it will come in with like three or four punch combinations, just ba 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 and what both women do really well is they change the angle, and on the escape, they counter well. And, uh, like I said, I think Chason, this is probably a bad match, probably the worst matchup she could have. I think just Chason, like I said, is not going to be able to catch up to Aldana. I think she's just going to land the cleaner strikes. She's going to land the more volume. Um, and no matter if it's offensive or defensive, she's just going to be able to play the game that she needs to. So. Um, Eldana by decision, um, Eldana money line if you if you if you uh, choose so at minus one eighty five. Next fight on the card we have Johnny Walker against Ian Kutalaba. I mean, if there was ever a fight that was the Super Bowl of poor fight IQ, we have it here. Johnny Walker eighteen seven and zero against Ian Kutalaba sixteen seven and one. Um, Walker, dynamic, powerful, crazy striker, um, injures himself in victories and really, I, I don't know really what happened in his last fight. Just Jamal Hill, just, I don't, I've never seen a knockout like that. Like he literally got hit, went up to his heels and then fell like a tree. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and then before that, I don't even know what that was in his main event fight against, uh, Tiago Santos, just really didn't show up at all, came with a new game plan, too hesitant, too tentative, no dice. Um, really, this is loser, potentially goes home, at least for Walker, I think. Um, but this is going to be a case, can Ian Kotalaba either wrestle Walker um, and try to get him a little bit more tired so he can take some mustard off those strikes, and just just really, that's, that's going to have to be the game plan, right? He's going to have to try to control him as much as possible, maybe get him out on the ground, TKO and or submission. Um, I think he has more paths to victory. So, I mean, he could actually catch him on the feet. He could get him on the ground and TKO him. He could submit him. He could even win a decision based on dominance. I just don't trust Johnny Walker at all, even though Kutalaba's, um, you know, he gets submitted in the first round against Ryan Spann in the first round. That's what it was, uh, by submission. I mean, that that came out of nowhere, but at the same time, it's like, I, I got to go with Ian Kutalaba in this one. Um, he's just got the bigger power. Like I said, although... Um, he does have poor fight IQ. I think this is sort of uh, an opportunity for him to redeem himself in this fight um, and likely get Johnny Walker out of there. So, I mean, if you're looking at Ian Kutalaba, you can pick him as a side. Eh, it's not too bad. I mean, it's minus 200 for Kutalaba, plus 160 for Walker. But if you look at how this is finishing, I just don't know how you can see it. Maybe fight doesn't go to the fight doesn't go the distance, but I think that's even juiced up at this point too. So really when it comes down to it, just stay off this fight see who gets knocked out and that's it really i think kutalab is aside no pick next fight in the card we have akeem dawadu canadian against julian arosa um 13 2 and 1 for akeem dawadu julian arosa coming in at 27 9 and 0 and really in this fight i, I think at minus 235 i think the line is too wide right for dawadu uh arosa coming in at plus 180 Arosa 
you know, he likes to, he gets into wars sometimes, right? He does actually have some pretty solid stand-up, but he gets into wars and uh, doesn't necessarily get hit well, doesn't take shots well. Um, it doesn't look good to the judges at the same time. It does bloody up. I don't know if it's scar tissue or whatever, but he gets bloodied up in his fights as well, too. Um, so as far as going the distance, that's a, that's a problem. But here's the biggest thing. Five of his nine losses come by KO. And that's not even counting the one that he got KO'd in, in an exhibition fight. And I, I didn't even check double. It could have been boxing. I didn't double check that. But the whole point is, in his full career, he's been knocked out six times. Um, Dabudu is typically a guy, strong kickboxer, right? And he's not a guy that's going to power forward and, and string together shots to put you out of there or you know catch you with this giant monster of an overhand. He's going to set up his strikes. He's going to line up a kick, say, the way Edwards would. And that's the way he's going to get somebody out of there if he can. Typically, though, he rides guys to the decision, um, able to use his, his kickboxing. And he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist as well, too. Um, some solid uh, wrestling as well as some decent jits. So when we're looking at Dawudu, I just think he's the side here. I think Arosa just is a little compromised at this point. I think he's willing to just sort of fight whatever fight is there in front of him. And I don't know if he has the chin for it anymore. So I think that, you know, if Akeem doesn't get him out of there, I think he might even still have big moments where he makes Arosa look a little bad. But either way, as the line gets wider, I'm sort of staying off it. Dawudu is the pick. Um, but I do like, you know, there there is an over-under there. I think that Dawudu potentially could get him out of there. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, the overs right now is sitting at minus 200. So if you're looking at Dabadu and you think that he's going to win by decision and you're looking at minus 235, that over might be the play for you um, moving forward. So I think Dabadu's the side. I think the over's the play. Next fight in the card, we have Jelton Ameda against Anton Sakali. Sakali taking this fight on short notice. Jelton Ameda was set to fight Shamil Abdurahimov. Um... So now we're looking at a huge, giant, wide line. We got Jelton Almeida coming in at 16, 2-0. Power in his hands, decent striking, uh, minus 800 against Anton Turkali, 8-0-0, minus 525. One on the Contender Series in, I mean, impressive fashion of his wrestling, dominance, but not, not enough to get signed. So now he has to take this, you know, short notice fight against a murderer in order to get maybe two or three more fights, like, say, a Tululin did, um, to get his contract in the UFC and, and prove himself. So, win, lose, or draw, he's happy, I think, at this point. But that, which tells me that that's another angle where it's like, does he sort of just give up to tap or whatever it is to call it, another, the live to fight another day type situation? We've seen this a lot, right? When guys are given this fight to sort of get a contract um, on short notice. Same time, I mean, he's a well-rounded fighter in Takali. A little cringy, though, man. And it really didn't live up to any of the bullshit he was talking. Has some highlight reel knockouts. So do some other fighters that aren't up to a certain standard as well, too. So we just don't know yet. A lot of question marks. We didn't see that he was going to come out and grapple in the Dana White Contender Series, but he did. Um, but ultimately, it, his win condition may be on the feet. Because I don't see him doing anything against Jelton Ameda, who's one of the top high-level um guys in jiu-jitsu around the world right now and if we look at it at least at his weight class and if we look at it Charlton is likely going to take this man to the ground and it's going to be very very sad but the line is way too wide uh you know Charlton right now um by ko is plus 375 Charlton by submission is minus 152 which is the most likely outcome um so if we meet in the middle there i would imagine inside the distance is going to be just sitting plus money um, if we can get a little bit of plus money on Jelton by submission, I would play that. 
because um, I think even if he hits Turkali a couple times on the ground or knocks him down, it's going to be called in sub situation. He could knock him clean out, but I just think that Turkali's got decent striking. Jonathan's going to have to set it up to take him down and maul him into submission. But who knows, TKO could happen. He might just want to go, like I said, inside the distance. Next fight on the card, we have Dennis Tululin against Jamie Pickett. Um, Tululin coming in at plus 110, 10-6-0 against uh, Jamie Pickett, who is minus 130, 13-7-0. And, I mean, Tululin didn't look too bad in a fight where he was supposed to be fed to Kizriv. Um, and was able to sort of shuck off a little bit there, land some strikes. He's got some power in his hands, fights for the dollar. I like the guy, and I think a lot of people are sort of on him um, in this fight. If we're looking at it, Pickett has the same amount of power. They actually, they're both aligned pretty well the same as far as KO. It's plus 3025, so both guys can be expected. They are just two of more willing to throw at nowadays. And Pickett more grabbing your hips, grabbing your, you know, Double leg, single leg, but up against the cage, he's going to lean into you with that shoulder. Keep that uh, head control and really sit there. And that's really what he's been doing. Um, he has a talent. Uh, there's talent there. It's just there's willingness, belief, fight IQ. I don't know what it is, but the guy's just a fade. It's a giant fade. I'm on the dog here. Uh, Tululin plus 110. Um, Tululin by KO is plus 325. Mm, I don't know. Might be a decision. Big moments, maybe. Um, but under two and a half is even right now. And I sort of like that play. So if that line sticks around there for the week, um, jump on it. If I get this out fast enough, jump on it right away. So Jake Collier versus Barnett. So Chris Barnett comes in at 22-8. No, very undersized against a Jake Collier, who really, if we're looking at it, was a middleweight, who is now a heavyweight, who is a guy who's pretty well-rounded and... Probably would be more of a gatekeeper for this division at this point. Um, but if we're looking at the well-rounded set, we have Barnett, who's just going to come in with his kickboxing. We have, um, obviously, with Collier losing to, it was to Arlovsky in his last fight by decision. I mean, Arlovsky's the decision machine, whether it's by split or whatever else. Collier did look decent in that fight. Barnett coming off his loss to Martin Boudet, where there was, yeah, maybe the, well, the legal elbow and, um, so it was a technical unanimous decision based on how far they come in the fight and where the, where the judges scorecards were at that point. Um, he was looking for a way out in that fight. He, he really didn't want to be there anymore. I see that that could potentially happen here. Um, as much as Barnett is dynamic and exciting and amazing, he just, it's not the weight class for him. And as much as he wants to try to play the game, he's going to be smaller in most cases. He's going to have to try to use his dynamic striking to get in and do what he needs to do. And I just don't see that helping him. Like, I mean, we got a 6'3 to a 5'9 guy in heavyweight, right? The reach, 78.5 on the side of um, Collier to Barnett, 75. I don't know, man. I just, I think that he's going to have to catch a shot to win this fight. I think that uh, Collier being at minus 425 is giantly too wide. I think I've already also spent too much time talking about this fight. So no pick, no dice. Let's move on. Next fight in the card I can be pretty quick about. Norma Dumont, 7-2-0 against Danielle Wolf, 1-0-0. Um, pretty extensive amateur boxing career. Pretty solid boxing. Um, but she hasn't fought in two years in MMA, and she fought on the Dana White Contender Series. Won her first fight, and that's great. 39 years old, jumping into MMA against Norma Dumont, who has a decent enough stand-up game to work her way into a clinch and take you down. The level of MMA is just... It's leaps and bounds. This is a, a big step down 
for Norma Dumont unless she shows poor fight IQ and decides that she wants to fight the way she did against Chase on against Wolf. And then Wolf actually could win a decision and or even get her out of there. But that being said, uh, Dumont sitting uh, minus 360 right now against the plus 270 Wolf. Um, this is a spot where I think you could even see Dumont smart come in a little bit smart off that loss and actually look to take Wolf uh, Dumont to take Wolf right to the ground. Look for a submission potentially, man. She's uh, brown belt jujitsu. Um, yeah, she's got solid boxing. She's got a great jab, and you know we, we saw her jab Aspen Lad to death. Um, that being said, I don't think she's going to do that. I think that would just be dumb. I don't see any fight camp that's going to tell you to do that. Any coach, even the most simple-minded one. Um, so I like Dumont inside the distance, to be honest. I like Dumont by sub. Um, line's not out yet, but uh, or at least I couldn't find a line yet. But under two and a half, sitting at plus 180. And if you're thinking the way I do, I mean, a lot of people are thinking Dumont is not quite, going to quite be able to get her to the, you know, into a submission situation, probably ride out a lot of top game and, and ride out a decision. And that's great. But I think the angle on this one, honestly, man, I think uh, we're going to see a sub from Norma Dumont. And when the line is this wide, why not take a shot at, uh, at that? It's a likelihood. It's a decent likelihood when you have someone with such low-level grappling experience. Sure, two-year layoff. Maybe she's improved. But at 39, I'm not going to look at it if she was 22. Not the same thing. All right, we don't have an Natalia Silva on our hands. Um, next fight on the card, we have Chad Annelager against Haile Elitang. Chad Annelager is the epitome of Mr. Come From Behind, Mr. Dog, Mr. People that, you know, the reality is you just didn't expect him to win the Dana White Contender Series. People shit on him in his last fight, comes out, um, pulls it out at the end of the fight because he doesn't go away. He was submitted early, a lot of big losses early, and I know I'm sure he's probably hurt, uh, sick of hearing that, and turned his career completely around on a huge fight win, um, winning streak. Some money's been coming in on China Edelager, um so far. Uh, he is a, definitely a live dog. I so Chad coming in at 12-5-0, and 0, plus 140. Um, Elatang coming in at minus 165 favorite, 15-8-2. Um, when we're looking at this, Elatang's volume is low. Right, he's more of a counter striker, and Chad Anelager is more of a pressure guy. He's going to continue to, to volume you, uh, just under about four minute four strikes landed per minute in the cage. And um, if we're looking at Elatang, he's just under three. So there's a volume edge there. Um, maybe some of the cleaner striking you may want to say from Elatang's side, but upon really looking at his striking, and, and I remember thinking that his vividness, remembering that his striking was a little cleaner than it actually is. And if you watch tape on him. The problem with him is he's a counter striker and he wants to wait for you to come in in order to land that overhand right. He does have some um, decent work with his kicks as well too, some solid leg kicks. Um, but here's the problem. He actually has to wait for guys to come to him and sure, Anneliger is going to come to him. But he ends up missing a lot of his counters. Where he works his counter best is when he goes in, touches up his opponent and then steps back out again, waits for them to come in with their strikes and counters them. If he finds himself looking for a counter game, he's going to get lulled into either a loss by decision or a late finish where he's going to get knocked out by Anelager. So I know a little sloppy as I'm presenting this, but the idea is Elatang needs to initiate the person's strike. So he needs to be the one going first, landing a one or two shots, then actually having the person counter and then catching them. That, that's the way he needs to do this. And otherwise what's going to happen is he's going to end up waiting and waiting. And he's going to have Anelager who's not going to go away. He's going to press him and press him. Um, if Alatang wants to take this to the ground, I mean, we have a, a guy who's learned from losing in submissions 
early in his MMA career and now is a pretty slick jiu-jitsu artist. So I'm not really worried about Annaliger on the ground. At the same time, also, he has great scrambles. So coming in at the dog shot at plus 140, I don't see this fight ending early. I think these guys are going to do a little bit of feeling out. I see another Annaliger late because um, I just think that with Elatang, if he doesn't get that game plan working for him, he may eventually actually start to press. And when he does press forward without actually stepping back to counter and he just presses forward and presses forward, he leaves his head out there, right? So he'll start hunting for the shot. So if he ends up running a big counter game plan early, it's outpointed, feels like he's behind and starts to lean into his shots, it's there, okay? Um, who am I? It's what I saw on tape. And uh, Elitang is... He leaves himself out there and exposed. His overhand right is big, but Annaliger has bigger power, I think. So I'm going to be on the, the Canadian side of this, whether I'm wearing a homer hat or not, I don't care. Um, Chad Annaliger, inside the distance. If we're looking at it, I like his money line anyways. Um, if you want to look at third round or decision, great. Um, but I think Annaliger is going to be the side in this one. So at plus 140, that works for me, money line, and we don't have to get cute with it. Next fight in the card, we have Elise Reed. 5-2-0 against Melissa Martinez. Um, Melissa Martinez is 7-0-0, and she is coming in as a favorite, minus 165 against Reed, who's plus 140, who's had a little bit of a skid and is, I guess, getting faded a bit. Um, Martinez coming in with, you know, a solid stand-up game, a little bit more of what we'll say is maybe more of a karate-style um, stand-up game. So she manages distance well, um, but she's scrappy as hell. And, you know, with Reed coming off of her, lose, or her loss to Sam Hughes, um, this is where the lines start to creep the other way. And I think that Reed is actually a way more talented striker than, you know, the lines give me your credit for in this one. I think at the same time when we, we've talked about this in the past, a lot of women's MMA will go to the judges scorecards, a lot of lower level, um, sorry, a lot of lighter level men's fights go to the judges scorecards. It comes from la a, a lack of ability to be able to KO somebody, right? Put somebody out. So when fights go to the judges scorecards more often than not, and we have a situation where there's judges that are a little bit sketchy at times and or um, just fights that are so tight and so close and you don't know, especially when it's a kickboxing affair. Depending on how it looks, I'm going to take the dog shot. When we have Elise Reed, who actually is a solid stand-up, um, Taekwondo stand-up, but has adapted a good kickboxing game for MMA. I'm liking Elise Reed in this one. I think that she's a, it's a good dog shot. I think this is lined up for us to watch the bookies on this one, really. Um, but at the same time, yes, it is. Second fight of the night. It is a little bit lower level MMA. If you want to stay off it, uh, I get it. But I just think Reed might be a side in this one. Um, so Elise Reed plus 140. Um, but I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, depending on where the line goes, I think you're probably going to see some love coming out of Reed as the week goes on. Um, but I just think it's a, it's a good early shot. I think it makes sense. It's a good value play. Uh, Martinez could come out and just show up. That could happen. But I just think where the, the evidence lies, the play is. Next fight and last fight that I'm going to talk about, but first night on the card, we have Darian Weeks coming up against Johan, the Canadian boy, Lioness. Um, so we have Weeks 5-2-0 coming up against Johan Lioness, 8-1-0. Um, Johan coming off of his loss and where he looked great in the first round and faded um, pretty hard. So now he's coming in as the dog in this, in this spot at plus 110. It's, it's pretty well aligned. He still has some pretty solid striking, but we have Weeks coming in off of, you know, he's on what, a three-fight skid, um, if you include one of his boxing uh, matches that he had. Sorry, I'm just looking at topology right now. But two-fight skid in MMA, and I mean, it's to Ian Gary and Brian Barbarina. He didn't have a bad showing against Ian Gary, um, but at the same time, two losses. 
he's going to be able to close the distance on Lioness and actually make this scrappy. He's going to have to. He's not going to want to be at range with Lioness and have him get into any kind of comfort. The thing about Lioness and why the line is the way it is, is, you know, his striking, might even, his striking is better than Weeks. Weeks is going to try to run a wrestle-heavy game plan using some short boxing on the inside to get close. You know, he's going to have to bang, bang, touch up, touch, touch up, change levels and get in there, get him committed to maybe even shoot, uh, getting Linus committed to a big shot because he does throw a lot of those punches and ducking under and taking him down. That's Weeks' path to victory. Linus throws so much into his shots. His power is that of a heavyweight. Like when he touches people, it's like Derek Lewis. They go out, but so much goes into that. And with his frame being what it is, yeah, he's a muscular guy, but what happens is it gasses him the fuck out. And now we're in a situation where you're in the second or third round and Weeks is just all over you. So if you're on the side of the guy who gasses, you may find yourself ripping up a ticket in the third round because you know just where it's going to go. Um, that being said, the power's there. I don't hate anybody that wants to take a shot on Lioness. The line's pretty much a pick at this point. Um, like I said, Weeks is going to have to use his boxing, get Linus to commit, shoot, wrestle, get him tired. That's it, plain and simple. Um, so he's going to have to get him to commit on some shots early, and that's dangerous. So this is really a stay off for me, especially for the first fight of the night. Um, live betting Weeks in the second round might be a play. Um, under two and a half right now, sitting at minus 145. That actually might be the plan this this fight. Under two and a half, minus 145, weeks, Linus. That's the play. So as far as all the picks plays, um, this is just sort of an early breakdown, quick trying to get it out as early as possible. We'll be doing it over one and a half um, midweek. Uh, we're going to break down a lot of Nick's stuff and then go over any of my final spots. But wanted to get a podcast out for you early with some picks. Once again, we like to dig into tape. We like to line our pockets for lining yours. And if you don't like it, what we got here is... Those guys are the ones who really do their homework, you know what I mean? But this fight, I'm telling you, it's a flip of a coin. He did not tap. Let's um, go! Let's go! Let's go. Yeah, Immortalized yeah. forever on YouTube as a slut.